Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this day on which we mark the ascension of our Lord is from the first book of Moses, the book of Genesis, the 45th chapter, in these words of his. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved with yourselves, for God sent me before you to save your lives by a great deliverance. And he made me to be father of Pharaoh and lord over all his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And so bring your father, Joseph said, and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And so far, our text, dear friends, in our ascended Lord Jesus. St. Augustine, one of the brightest Christian thinkers of the 4th and 5th centuries, he once noted, the Old Testament lies in the New Testament revealed. The New Testament lies in the Old Testament concealed. The New Testament realities are there in the Old Testament, yet concealed. And so it takes revealing. And that's why we heard today what we did in the Gospel reading, that Jesus opened their minds, remember? Luke writes, Jesus opened the minds of the disciples to understand the Scriptures, to understand the Old Testament Scriptures. He did it in order to reveal them. Luke writes, everything Jesus says that was written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms, that it must be fulfilled. For as Jesus himself would say to the Jews, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But where? Where in Moses do we see pictures or descriptions of Christ Jesus and his work? Where do we see New Testament spiritual realities there concealed in the writings of Moses? Realities of what God in Christ would do? of what God in Christ has done, of what God through Christ continues to do for us. Where do we see them? Well, here, consider our Ascension Sermon text, the account of Joseph. Joseph. Joseph about whom Moses wrote. Consider Joseph, this Old Testament figure that many of you know from Sunday school lessons of old. Consider this Old Testament figure, this prefigure if you will, so that, and consider him so that we might today better understand today's ascension news and the fulfillment of the Old Testament revealed in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, consider Joseph. Joseph, he was the pride and the favored son of Israel, or perhaps known better by Israel's former name, Jacob. Joseph, the pride and favored son of Jacob, who's known as Israel, a favorite son of Israel. He was anointed by his father with a special, remember, in a colorful tunic, a cloak to wear and to bear, an anointing that said to all of those who saw it, this is my beloved son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Indeed, Moses wrote, now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children, Joseph, Joseph, you see, was special in the eyes of old Israel. But the other children of Israel, they didn't so readily and willingly welcome 
the coming of this favorite son. Moses records that his brethren hated him and couldn't speak peaceably of him because, you see, he displaced their long-standing and established tradition, their family tradition, their pecking order. He'd upset the apple cart. He was, he was like a stone that the family builders rejected because he didn't quite fit. They were threatened by his preeminence. They were jealous of him. So jealous were they that when the father sent this favorite son to his own brothers who were tending Israel's sheep, he came to his own, but Moses tells us his own did not receive him. Instead, he records that they conspired to kill him and then sold him, Moses writes, for a few pieces of silver. And so into the hands of Gentiles, he'd be sold into Egypt, he'd go. And though he'd done nothing wrong, though he'd done nothing wrong, this innocent man would be falsely charged and accused, convicted by the wife of Potiphar. And he'd be numbered then among common criminals. But what was meant for harm, God, God would work for great good to save lives by a great deliverance. And this Joseph, God raised up from the dungeon of humiliation and exalted him and ascended him, if you will, to the right hand of Egyptian power. And all things in the land were placed under his feet so that Moses would write, Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring and off of his hand and put it on Joseph's hands and he clothed him in royal robes, placed a golden chain around his neck. And as Joseph rode in royal chariot, they cried out before him, bow the knee. And so Pharaoh set him, Moses writes, over all the land, saying to Joseph, without your consent, no man may lift his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Does it all here that Moses wrote sound a bit familiar to your New Testament ears? A favored son of Israel, rejected by his own, betrayed with silver, falsely charged, unjustly numbered among common thieves, and yet a travesty through which God would work the greatest blessings imaginable. And he'd be raised up and ascended to the right hand of power and made Lord over all. Of course, it sounds familiar to you. Friends, Jesus Christ is the greater Joseph. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that Joseph in his life depict and prefigure. And though Joseph's long ago ascension to the right hand of Egyptian power has rather little to do with you and me today, indeed, it vividly helps us to understand how our Lord's ascension has everything to do with you and me today. The first reading from Acts today, and the Gospel reading too, they record for us today ascension's moment. It's snapshot moment from the, the point of view of the disciples, earthbound disciples. They capture Ascension's moment, Jesus having accomplished this great deliverance on the cross, and that confirmed by his resurrection, now triumphantly ascends through the clouds to take his seat at the right hand of power. And while the first chapter of Acts today and the, the, the last of Luke 
record for us ascension snapshot moment and what the perspective of earthbound, heaven-gazing disciples could see with their eyes, the epistle reading for today records for us ascension's effect and what their earthbound eyes couldn't see. And here's what the epistle reading says. Remember, it says, The Father seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's ascension. That's ascension. The greater Joseph ascends to take his throne. But what do we... His brothers, what should we make of it all? What should we, his brothers, make of that all? Now consider that question very carefully. Because you can be sure Joseph's brothers did. When it was revealed to them that their brother ruled and reigned. In fact, you know what Moses writes? Moses writes that when Joseph made himself known to to his brothers, his brothers, he writes, could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They were dismayed at his presence. They knew how they treated him. Even if no one else had known, they knew, and he knew how they treated him. Jealousy, resentment, malice. They knew that they'd sold their brother off for a few shekels of silver. They knew that they'd put him away in the worst way that you can imagine. No wonder they were dismayed at his presence. In the presence of the Lord of all, would we be so unlike Joseph's brothers? Would we have confidence of clearest conscience? Or, in fact, have we shown far less than brotherly love? We know And he knows, even if no one else knows, we know how we've treated him and those he calls his brothers. We've sold him out, perhaps. We've sold him out for a few shekels of popularity among our friends. We've perhaps been jealous and resentful over the prominent and preeminent place in our lives that our own fathers and mothers have insisted that he have. And we resent them for it. Perhaps, or we resent him for it. And even though the sun and moon and stars and sheaves of grain should rightly bow down before him, perhaps still our sinful pride, like Joseph's brothers, refused that posture. So that in this facet of life, or, or in that facet, the knee we simply refuse to bow. Perhaps we've, albeit subtly, maybe selectively and only to a degree, but perhaps we too have indeed put him away so that day to day we need not deal with him anymore. Are we really so unlike Joseph's brothers? Jesus, our greater Joseph, reigns. But what should we, his brothers, make of it? Should we be dismayed as they were? Well, remember what Moses wrote. Though his brothers were dismayed, Moses writes that Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near to me. 
And Moses says that Joseph kissed all of his brothers and he wept over them. And Joseph forgave his brothers their transgressions, though they were great. And what about Jesus, our greater Joseph? Has he held you to account for your sin? Or did he not indeed cry out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Has he justly insisted that you stay as far away from him as the east is from the west? Or indeed has he, as scripture says, brought you who once were far off near with his own blood? Has he repaid you evil for your evil? Or has he indeed embraced you in a world of malintending brothers with arms outstretched? And by his reconciling death upon the cross, has he not repaid you grace upon grace? And isn't that what the prophet Isaiah would write? And can't you just picture Joseph saying words like this to his brothers, embracing them and assuring them? As Isaiah writes, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God, that your iniquity is pardoned. For you have received from the Lord's hand double for all of your sins. Double portion of his grace upon grace. Joseph's brothers must have wept and marveled that their royal brother, whom they so mistreated, would, would treat them so kindly. We should marvel more that the writer of Hebrews says of Jesus, he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. He is not ashamed to call us his brothers. And that, my friends, is why the ascension means so much to us. Because you see, we have more than mere friends in high places. We have a brother. Our own flesh and human blood. A brother who sits on God's throne and who reigns over all things. It's like Joseph. Like Joseph of old who sat in the seat of Egyptian power and interceded for his brothers, we've got a greater brother, Jesus Christ, who sits in heavenly places and is our advocate with the Father and our eager protector and glad provider here on earth. And isn't that exactly what Joseph did for his brothers? That's what Moses writes, isn't it? We heard it in our text. Joseph said, I am your brother. I'm Joseph, your brother. And God has made me Lord of all of Pharaoh's house and ruler throughout all the land. And so he said, and so bring your father and your households and come unto me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you will eat of the fat of the land, Moses writes. And Joseph says, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Joseph was positioned and equipped to give endless grain to his brothers in those years of their famine. But Jesus, our greater Joseph, infinitely more. Infinitely more, more, not only daily grain, but the bread of life. So that our souls may be satisfied no matter how severe life's famine. And not in limited and rationed quantity and supply, but Scripture says that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he does it as he comes to us very presently 
And though you, you can't see him, certainly he's present here with us to deliver his, in his means of grace, to deliver to us this grace upon grace. Joseph, remember, was equipped to prepare a place near him in Goshen for his brothers. But Jesus, not just earthly dwellings, but heavenly mansions he's prepared. And if in my ascension, he says, I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself, so that where I am there, you may be also. Imagine, in the midst of of their life's famine, what contentment Joseph's brothers must have known. Their brother, who loved them dearly, reigned in the highest places. What need of theirs, think of it, what need of theirs possibly couldn't be met? Are we so unlike Joseph's brothers? When the famines of life dry up your livelihood, remember that Jesus Christ, your ascended brother, reigns and his daily bread won't fail you, but it'll come to you in his wise measure. When regret of past looms dark over present, remember that Jesus Christ is quick to forgive, slow to anger, abounding in love, and positioned, is he not? Positioned to govern earthly consequences and help you through them, just as he does spiritual ones. Even when life's famine drives up your youthful vigor and bones begin to creak and rattle and groan, Remember then who's promised to take you to himself. Because remembering then, it's as Luther once said, remembering then, then we'll recall that even these old bones that creak and, and rattle are no different than old Jacob's rickety wagon. His rickety wagon that when he learned that his dear Joseph was still alive in Egypt, Our old bones like his rickety wagon that carried old Jacob to his heart's delight. Jesus Christ, our greater Joseph, has ascended. And that means we've got more than friends in high places. Our brother reigns. A blessed ascension to you all. In his name, amen.